Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome once again to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and their family of podcasts. It's the Steeler Q&A with Brian Anthony Davis and Tony Defio, and it's the Monday after the draft, and there's still excitement in the air, and some second guessing as well too, Tony. How you doing, my friend? I am doing fantastic. I am enjoying the uh, the Sunday day. I took a day took the day off, and uh, it's a lot better than yesterday when it rained for I think twenty four hours straight. How yeah, about you? I know. You know, I'm just uh, I'm in quarantine. What week six? And uh, I'm just uh, doing what I do. Um, one of the things that I have found throughout the uh, the last six weeks is I am now a uh, I'm not a certified teacher, but I might be able to be one pretty soon because I feel like I, I'm doing the homeschooling with my daughter and I'm learning a whole lot more about polygons and quadrilaterals that I did not learn in fifth grade. So um, <laughs> doing a lot of that. Uh, I know a lot more about the Declaration of Independence than I thought I did. And Valley Forge was a very important battle. Um, with that being said, one thing that I really know is the Steelers and I love draft weekend. And this was a crazy one, guys. What are your first thoughts, Tony, of the draft? I think it went pretty much as I expected. I I, I looked at this draft. I, I couldn't get a feel for it naturally. So with it being a their first pick being in the second round, uh, I figured it could go any number of ways. But I was pleased with uh, with 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 what they did overall. I think they had an, a, a lot of depth needs and, and and they went about trying to fill the, or address those anyway well first and foremost i'm going to say we had our draft last week and in in two weeks ago we had our mock draft so we had two mock drafts the last two weeks one with uh myself tony and wes hickok and then uh last week with all of uh btsc nation um that picked the first 32 picks in the Steeler pick and uh we were both most of us were way off uh, especially with the Steeler picks, uh, we didn't see what happened happening. But uh, I, I tell you, I'm uh, I'm fairly pleased. After the knee jerk reactions, and after uh, after that initial thought, you know, I mean, I was thinking, especially with Anthony McFarland Jr., I was thinking, whoa, what? Then I had some time to look at it and think, you know, sometimes you shoot first and have to apologize later. And that's exactly what I did. So I went ahead and, and uh, took a look at it. And uh, I feel a lot better about that and the whole draft as well. And I know you do, too, because I read some of your articles today. As you know, friends, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, the blog site, is where we all got our start. And uh, Tony wrote a great article on uh, on his commentary on the draft and uh, he had a few of them up there. So uh, really good stuff. So, uh, Tony, let's go pick by pick. But before we do that, let me ask you this. Right away, are you going to give this draft a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Oh, yeah, I'm giving it. I mean, not, I'm not trying to sound like a homer, but I'm giving it a, a thumbs up. You know, and that's because after looking, examining what they did over the entire weekend, yeah, they, they addressed pretty much every need that they could with six picks. So I'm giving it a thumbs up. Um, Captain Underpants has to go, but he's asking this question. Um, Bad, what do you think of those um, saying that uh, Baltimore had better draft and we had the worst in the AFC North? I don't think the Steelers had the uh, worst in the AFC North. I actually would give that distinction to the Cleveland Browns. I thought uh, the Steelers draft was uh, was uh, better than Cleveland's, and I thought it was uh, 
it could be, uh, it's not as good as Cincinnati's because frankly, Cincinnati picked um, two guys before the Steelers even had an opportunity to pick one. Um, and they got some quality, but um, in the later rounds, Cincinnati's quality wasn't as good. They had some uh, very injury prone um, risks in there as well. Baltimore had a great draft. Baltimore drafts well, but it's what Baltimore does with those players after the fact. I remember a few years ago, we talked about uh, one of the guys that we thought was a fantastic draft pick for the St for the, the Ravens in round three. When we were picking up Sammy Coates, they were picking up Chris Wormley, and uh, people were raving about that pick. He never got much of a chance to play for them, and now he's a Pittsburgh Steeler. So it's, uh, it's really hard to grade a draft right away. We could do preliminary grades, but with that being said, you know, you, you look down the line and you're going to uh, get a true picture of the draft later. If you graded the draft, the, the Steelers 2016 draft now, or graded it in December after, after the 2016 season, you're going to have a completely different grade because Artie Burns after the first season People weren't down on Artie Burns after his rookie season. Saw a lot of potential in Artie Burns. Um, it quickly faded away. Sean Davis, everybody was in love with Sean Davis and Javon Hargrave as well. So, you know, um, we could look at that. Um, Dark Storm 1 says Max Williams. That's a guy from that yeah. very same draft that doesn't have a job now. And everybody right. wanted him and was like, oh, why did the Steelers not take him? They had an opportunity mm -hmm. to take Max Williams. And uh, so, you know, it could look great on paper, and it does look great on paper. And not only that, Tony, not only does it look great on paper, they got a they got a pro wrestling legacy. They got a son of Rick Steiner uh, at fullback in mm -hmm. uh, in Baltimore as well. And you and I, being wrestling nerds, we uh, we we'd love to boast that. But you know what? That's what paper says right now. We'll see how it right. goes. Um, the the great drafts that Baltimore has had the last few years has not netted a Super Bowl yet. So um, that's all I've really got to say about that. You know, Baltimore with Ozzie Newsome, you were hoping that when Eric DaCosta got in that he was a step down. He hasn't been. In fact, he might even be a, a step up. Yeah, that's correct. Max Williams is still in the league. Um, he is playing with Arizona, but I mean, not much of a factor is really what we're saying there. Um, so as far as Baltimore goes, you know, yeah, they got the guy that a lot of people in Steeler Nation wanted in J.K. Dobbins. My answer to that, Tony, is probably the same as you. Hey, Steelers obviously didn't want him bad enough. to be. I mean, when you have a chance to get him and you go somewhere else, you don't want him bad enough. And they have a scouting department. Tony, how's your scouting department in your that you have employed at your house? Uh, well, uh, it's, it's like, I think it's like 15%. So I had to let them all go over the years. <laughs> I, they, they, they get it right for like 15% of the time. So I, 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 I have to start over. So let's, let's start there. I mean, a lot of people are still talking about Dobbins. I still like the player, but I agree with the, the, I agree that, uh, the Steelers made the right pick at number one. At number one, which is number two for them, they had a second round draft pick, but with their first pick with Chase Claypool, I love the pick. And I could see where that is go going to be more impactful for this team at this point. And obviously, they're the ones that get paid for it. So they thought so too. 
So what are your thoughts on passing up Dobbins for Claypool? Well, I mean, my, my thought is, you know, when you get to the second round, and I've, I've said this repeatedly this week, and when you get to the second round of the draft, there's always those guys that fall that we, that we saw mock in the first round for months. And then they always drop into the second and third round. And then the Steelers pick somebody there. And then we always say, why, did, why didn't they pick those other guys? So my point is, if they would have picked Dobbins, then I'm almost positive somebody would have said, or multiple people would have said, why not chase Claypool? I loved him. I think he has great upside. So no matter who they pick there, it it wasn't going to be a universal positive for the fan base. Somebody was going to have a problem with it. So I think, you know, yeah, they passed on Dobbins. But uh, I, I had a hard time leading up to the draft figuring out really what their number one need was. So, I mean, you, you, you can make a case for any single position from the offensive line to running back to receiver. And, you know, I thought they got a, a, a great or not a great pick, but a very good pick that could potentially be a great player sooner rather than later in, Clay, in Chase Claypool. I mean, he's got a tremendous upside. He was, he played at a big time program and he was productive and he got better each year. I mean, that's what you're looking for, for a, a guy coming out of college is somebody who the, the arrow is still pointing up. So I, I, I really didn't have an issue with that because as I said, no matter who they picked, it wasn't going to be a universal uh, positive reaction from, from the fans. Now I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm just going to, uh, read the names that I see on the screen and put myself in there as well. But I'm trying to make a point here. So um, I'm looking at the names on the screen in the live chat right now. And Tony, I want to ask you this question. Who knows more about what you need in your life? Myself, Brian Anthony Davis, Kathy Ford, Donald Nolan, Wes Hickok, Robert Doc Holiday Sadler, or you? Who knows more? Oh, I, I, I know everything that I need. I mean, I, I'm always... Uh... I'm always open for advice. I mean, I, I welcome great advice, but at the end of the day, it's it's ultimately my decision, and I know more about me than anybody else. Yeah, and so I can't tell you what you need in your life. You could do that. The Steelers, they know a little bit more because they're they're overseeing the situation. They're scouting these guys. They know what's best. So, I mean, that's why – I mean, I can say any organization – can do that as well. Um, but the main question that we have today as, and the uh, headline for Steelers Q&A is which member of the Steelers 2020 draft class has the the best potential to be a week one starter? Who could start right away, Tony? Oh, I couldn't wait for this question. And and, and I can't believe how much I love this guy. The uh, the guard from Louisiana, Kevin Dotson. I, I, I can't, that was like the, I've, I, I just have to uh, commend Steeler Nation for uh, I've never seen a universal, I, I, I talked about universal reaction. A universal reaction was so positive for one guy in the fourth round. It, it was great. And I think, you know, from personality to, to production in college and durability, I think he's going to be a, a fan favorite right away. Oh, he would definitely be a fan favorite. I can't wait to find out what number this guy is wearing. Um, <laughs> I'm putting my order in right away for a Kevin Dotson um, jersey. Did you see? The uh, video of him on Twitter and on social media of him pulling a truck. Oh, did I ever? I mean, talk about <laughs> talk about bringing back the uh, an ode to James Harrison. I mean, talk about uh, somebody that that's that's uh, already a uh, leader in the clubhouse for for fan favorite for for this uh, draft class. Yeah, that that was amazing. I these guys clearly are much better athletes than I am. So uh, Dave Schofield and Big Bro Sco. Um, 
great contributors to uh, BTSC Radio. Um, they do the Stat Geek, and uh, they appear a lot, uh, as you know, here on uh, BTSC. And uh, they thought that Dotson could be a starter week one on Saturday, what they said. And you know what? That makes a whole lot of sense because that means you could take Filer, put him back to the tackle position, and you could plug if Dotson proves he's ready. Now, that might be a little tougher this year being the fact that uh, mini camps might be uh, rookie mini camps might be uh, compromised. We will see about that, but we've got a plan like it's business as usual. And if it's business as usual and this guy gets his opportunity, I think he can be a day one starter. He can st step in right away. You have Filer um, back at uh, right tackle and then you're sandwich sandwiching Dotson between that of Big Al and Marquise Pouncey. And then at left guard, excuse me, right guard, you still have David DeCastro, one of the best in the league. So that he possibly can make this line's line much stronger. Now, I like that idea a whole lot better than Filer at guard and Shooks at right tackle. Um, I'm also in favor of starting Wisniewski at left guard and uh and at uh excuse at left guard and at right tackle filer. So, um, cause Chooks is the guy that I really don't want in there, but, uh, they know, here's the thing. The Steelers know that better. To, they're going to make the better decision than I am. Cause they are more equipped. I'm just a guy flapping his gums, but, uh, with, with a forum on a, on a podcast, but I'm thinking that, uh, I, I think Dotson is probably day one ready. Here's the other thing about Dotson, and it's a shame he can't pick his own number because <laughs> Kevin Dotson's favorite player was who, Tony, growing up? Oh, gosh. I wish I knew that. I, I, that's one oh, thing I missed. I, I, I saw a lot of great things about him. He was a bouncer, he, waving the terrible towel. He has a great personality, but I, I, I don't know. I, I missed he that one. He was a huge – you know he was a huge Steeler fan, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew that part. Jerome Bettis was his favorite player. Oh, okay. And well, he go. said in every password he owns, every password he used to, he, he like, he said used to number 36 was in, was in every password. And if it's not, you better change it now, big fella. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like 36 two. But add one number on there. <laughs> wouldn't it be great if he could wear 36? <laughs> Cause it's open. No one's That's wearing right. it. Yeah. Yeah. He could, he could do that. And, uh, Report as an eligible receiver every play. Yeah, he cannot wear that number. Um, speaking of numbers, uh, coming out this week, it's already submitted in the queue. It's my uh, annual prediction of numbers, and we'll see if I do better than last year. I was four of nine last year. Um, the year before, Pretty I only good. got two of seven. So I have a. I really think that I'm going to have a good. A, that I have a good grasp on the numbers this year. Um, the guy that I'm talking about. And a lot of people in the live chat are talking about being able to start week one is Chase Claypool. This guy, the only negatives that I've seen about Claypool is uh, his is getting separation. But really, this is a guy with his height, with his speed at his height, being the only other guy to run a uh, a, a four point four eight over two thirty, two hundred thirty pounds. Um, the only other one being uh, Calvin Johnson in the last uh, 15 years or so. I think that's fantastic. And if if this guy's anything like Calvin Johnson, he might not be. 
but he might be maybe step down from him. Who knows? But if he's even close, yeah, he's going to be pretty big. He's going right. to be really, he's going to be a big deal. So um, it just depends how you, you uh, classify a starter as a wide receiver, because you could start three guys. You can only start two. It depends on, on what you do there. But, um, and as 98671 X says, separation is not an issue. A lot of underthrown balls too. Um, this this guy is going to be able to do a lot of things with the weapon and the talent that he has. I love the Chase Claypool pick. What was your immediate thought when Chase Claypool showed up on your screen, Tony? I thought it, I thought it was it was it was a good pick. I mean, here's a guy that that you saw uh, people talking about. A lot of Steeler fans, <laughs> as recently as a month ago, were talking about how much they love this guy. And how much I remember seeing the comment section, the, the live chat—they really want to chase Claypool. So, you know, I, I was I was happy with it. I I I, I researched him because of that. I researched him. I I I studied his. Well, I didn't study his tape. I'm not that good at that. But I, I was really impressed by the highlights. He correct me if I'm wrong, and people in the live chat can correct me. But he reminded me, at least from uh, the standpoint of, of the the back shoulder catch, he remind remind me a lot of Juju. He reminds me of a bigger, faster version of Juju. And if he can turn out to be that kind of player, even if it's not Calvin Johnson, if he if he's on par with the Juju, especially his first two years, I think that'd be a great pickup. So I I was happy with it. A lot of people wanted a running back, Tony Defio. Now here's the question for you. Does adding a guy like Claypool and a returning Ben Roethlisberger make the running position a whole lot better and not a big of a need to have to uh, – replace a guy there replace uh or make a huge upgrade as far as that running back stable i think it makes them better what do you think well yeah because it's going to take like we talked about this months ago it's going to take if, if ben's back it's going to take uh pressure off the running game because they can't crowd the box they can't put eight in the box because you, you know you're, you're gonna have to uh, pl uh play the pass if you're a defense you're gonna have to play a lot of zone that kind of thing so you're not going to be able to uh, put eight or nine men in there to stop the run because, you know, last year it was pretty obvious that the Steelers had the run because the quarterback play wasn't what we wanted it to be. So, yeah, it's going to, it's going to take a lot of pressure off the, off the ground game. So, and, uh, you know, as far as, as, as whether they should be, should have drafted a running back or a receiver, well, you can make a case for both. I mean, they have both positions have, they're filled with young players, but they're fill, filled with each one has a, a former pro bowler who is coming to the end, you know, coming to the final year of his rookie contract. So one or both of those guys could theoretically be gone next year. So, you know, they, they were going to have to address that with depth and a possible future starter. So uh, they, they wound up addressing both needs. It just turns out they addressed one in the second, one in the fourth. Now, speaking of addressing those needs, Tony, those needs, the main needs that everybody were saying, there were probably about five or six but uh, and some of them put them in different order the entire entire way. But the needs that everybody wanted to address were offensive line, wide receiver, running back, safety, defensive tackle, and uh, edge rusher. I mean, you look at this draft, and we warned you: do not try to take for position. Pos, uh, excuse me, position, take best player available. But this was such a deep draft. There were a lot of best player availables um, where he stood at the position level. 
So uh, do you think they, the Steelers, you know, accomplished their objective <laughs> by getting everything they need to fill in those holes and make their team stronger for 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think they 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 certainly addressed it on paper. Yeah, I mean, it's like you talked about with Baltimore. We have to we have to wait and see. You know, once they start practicing and and if, if there is a training camp, training camp, and then the preseason. Yeah, so you know, you're not going to be able to, especially them this year with only six picks. You weren't going to be able to address every position, every need with a a a, a premium draft choice. So you, you basically had to had to trust your scouts and had to trust your eyes and and hope that some guys would fall and, 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 and fall to um, the later rounds. And, and, and some of those later round guys, it's just, it's up to the coaches to the, the coach them up like a Carlos Davis or, or, or uh, the safety from Carolyn Brooks. I mean, those, those are the kind of players that you have to try to, I hope you can, you can um, find a diamond in the rough. And I tell you what, I, uh, I agree with D money. So I'm bringing this on the screen. I think Highsmith could be a pro bowler. Um, I think he is, I love his, uh, I love everything about this guy. Um, there's a lot of humility to him, but he is also, he's also a killer out there. Um, it's really great to, uh, um, see this and Kevin Johnston, um, someone that's that listens to us a whole lot on, uh, um, on the podcast level. I, we don't really see him in the live chat, but he's, uh, he's messaged me a few times and on Saturday morning, he sent me a, uh, from YouTube, he sent me a, a five-minute clip of Dabo Sweeney of Clemson, the head coach, right before they were playing uh, UNC Charlotte. And um, he's, it was about the two-minute mark where he's talking about Alex Highsmith. And his exact words were, this guy could, could play edge rusher on any program in the country. You have to account for him at all times. A lot of people didn't know his name. I didn't really know his name. I saw it up there. I never. I really didn't scout him because, as far as the edge rushers go, I I did not pay attention to him. However, I love what I see, and that's that's the thing. They're scouting so much more. And I mentioned the word chatter before. A lot of the chatter that you hear is from the media. The media and us. We become the scouting department for on these podcasts, and we're not scouts. Right. So the more you look at these guys and you look at what they're doing, I, I watched some tape that the, uh, not tape, but video that the Steelers put out. And I let it run while I was doing my podcast and I kept on watching it. And every play that I saw, there's about 10 plays where he was just crushing people. And you ever watch the draft and they highlight the guy on like ESPN or NFL Network, highlights this guy mm -hmm. uh, making a tackle, especially a defender. And you're like, all right, it's kind of a weak tackle. Right. This guy is crushing people in this video. Yeah. Highlight yeah. package. I loved it. Um, so what I wanted them to accomplish, and a lot of people asked me what I want where I want them to go first. I thought maybe they'd go running back, but I said where they should go is I wanted them to go first with an outside linebacker. I want the backup plan for Bud Dupree because I think Bud Dupree is now a one-year rental. Um, even though he's he'll he's been here five years, but I don't think he's going to be here much past next year. So if you get a backup plan, I feel like he's already an upgrade to Anthony Ciccolo, who is gone. And I feel like this guy could be the other bookend to TJ Watt. 
And that could be a very powerful duo. And I love it. Well, I think, yeah, that's where, uh, that's where, you know, the coaching is going to come into play because, you know, I, I read about this in an article that hasn't been published yet, but if Joey Porter, who was the former outside linebacker coach, if he can take a, a guy like Anthony Ciccolo, who was a defensive end in college and get every last bit of talent out of him to, to the point where he was a serviceable backup, then, you know, somebody like Kevin Butler, who has a much better uh, track record with linebackers, if he, he, he can... I'm pretty confident he could take a guy like like Kai Smith, who, who definitely has a much higher ceiling than a Chicolo, and and get everything he can out of him. And if he and if he if he does get his his uh, the most he can out of him, that might be to the point where he's a, a longtime starter in the league. So uh, I think it, it, a lot of at this point it's going to be about the about what Keith Butler can do working with him. There you go. I I agree. Um, yeah, I love this. Alex Flores puts. Uh, puts out uh, breaking news as Steelers are picking five-year option picking up five-year option for what well I <laughs> I would hope so yeah if that doesn't happen boy we we're, we're gonna have a year yeah. full of podcast items to talk about All right um <laughs> so I absolutely love it um so we've talked about a few of the main guys from the draft and there were only six um one of the guys that we haven't talked about yet but He's a guy that uh, has definitely gotten a lot of uh, press throughout this uh, draft process since he was drafted in the uh, in the fourth round, and it's Anthony McFarland Jr. Um, I was incorrect; other people were incorrect, thinking, "Hey, is that Booger's son?" It is not Booger's son. Um, What's well, um, Wikipedia's fault? <laughs> yeah, when you, when you search, that's like the first thing that pops up. So I think that's that's Wikipedia's fault, or at least Google's fault. So, um, but anyways, this guy's, this guy's super fast. Oh yeah. And I am not going to lie and I'm going, I mean, it's out there. You can see it as soon as, as soon as this happened, Dave Schofield and I were, were on live and I'm like, I hate this pick and it has nothing to do. And I was saying it then and, um, and I'll say it, I'll say it a year from now, if he's an all pro. That I hated the pick when it when it happened. I'll give you another pick that I hated, and I was wrong. I hated the Ryan Shazier pick when it happened. I went nuts. I wasn't on BTSC at the time, but I absolutely hated it. That's not what I wanted there. I was uh, I was wanting Darquez Denard. I wanted a <laughs> cornerback, and I I was just uh, that's all I wanted. Did happen, and I was pissed. Then I start watching stuff and I start seeing stuff more. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a great pick. His first preseason game, I'm like, oh my gosh, boy, was I wrong. And, you know, so it's, uh, I hope I'm wrong again, but it's not the pick. It's not the guy that I did not like. It's the position that I did not want. I was already after Dobbins and uh, guys like uh, Dobbins and Taylor and Hilaire and Swift were off the board. I was resigned to the fact that they will be fine at the running back position and they need to focus on the other needs. So this is just not the guy I was looking for there. I really wanted uh, safety cave on Wallace at that spot. And Wallace went uh, four picks later to Philadelphia. But, you know, here's the thing. Once again, I've been saying it all along. I'm not a scout. I know very little about some of these guys that, 
that I haven't looked at. And the guys I'm looking at are just, they're not in person. I'm looking at them through video. I'm looking at them basically because somebody out there uh, that is a draft expert tells me to go ahead and look at this guy. But um, I just kind of thought that they, they could have uh, gotten the running back maybe a little bit later. But this is the running back they decided they wanted. So you take him now because he's not – the player's not going to last until their next pick. Right. Well, in this situation, the player could have lasted to their next pick. But they needed an offensive lineman there too, in which they right. took in Kevin Dotson. So that's fine. But all I was saying was, look, I think, uh, I think the running back situation does not have to be addressed right at this spot. But it's been addressed – and now that I'm looking at him, glad he's here, Tony. And I know you like him because you you wrote an article, but his speed is pretty mm. incredible. It's not a yeah. 4.28, right. but it, it's pretty good. He's the one-cut runner that really makes things happen. What are you looking yeah, at I, with this guy? Oh, I, I, I the first thing I saw, I, I was like you. I, I heard it on the radio, and they were really poo-pooing the pick. You know, uh, the guys on, that I was listening to, listening to they were really down on the pick they wanted leonard fournette they wanted in the trade for leonard fournette and then i and then i started reading about the about him and you know how fast he was and how little uh trade was on the tire because he only played for two years and, and then i i started watching his uh highlights on youtube and granted their highlights you know you're not going to see anything bad in highlights but he was just so decisive and he hit the hole so fast and he accelerated a lot quicker than than you see with most running backs you know i mean it's probably easier if you have if you have the holes that he had to hit in these highlights but he he was just like zero to 60 like that and he, he was gone in four four speed in the nfl it might not be four two speed but it's definitely plenty fast enough i think what levy and bell was what, like a four six he did pretty well for himself when he was in pittsburgh so you know the speed is definitely uh home run speed and and it's something that the steelers don't have right now so as far as uh, maybe the, the the running back position being being set before McFarland. Maybe it was, but then again, maybe it wasn't. I mean, I think we're all we can all agree now that Samuels isn't a potential uh, starting running back. He's more of a uh, jack of all trades kind of thing. And we don't know about Benny Snell yet. He has that potential, and James Conner might be gone after this year. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what what the picture is going to look like in, in in a year? And uh, Mule Skinner brings up Mike Tomlin's son uh, being the reason why McFarland was drafted. You know, he can be part, that's part of the reason um, because, you know, Mike Tomlin has some, uh, he's been around for the last year, been around uh, the Terrapin uh, uh, program because his son is a Maryland Terrapin. But the one guy, Matt Canada, who was an assistant coach there, you, I mean, he's on staff at Pittsburgh. And sure, he's the quarterback coach, but he still gets a chance to say, hey, look, I've been around this guy. We can use this guy on our offense. They're planning on, uh, I mean, even though he's the quarterback's coach, they're planning on, on uh, letting these assistant coaches have some input. And he definitely gets the chance to have some input here. And you know he was, uh, he was really vouching for this guy as well. Um, so, you know, I got to say, that, that goes a long way, too. Matt Canada has firsthand experience with this guy, and they're going to bring him in based on that reason. There was a lot of turnover in the uh, because there was a death on the Maryland uh, football team um, during training. I believe it might have been 2017 
or so. Um, there was some turnover. And one thing they're trying to do is they're trying to get, like, move on from the older regime. That's one of the reasons Canada's uh, no longer there as well. But also, um, they, from what I heard, and I might be incorrect on this, but what I heard was uh, they basically told McFarland to go pro because he wasn't in their plans hmm. um, going forward as they were trying to um, completely turn the corner from anybody that was around um, earlier. Now that could be, that could be completely garbage. That could be false. But uh, as far as everything goes, you know, you have a coach that you brought in here that you trust, then you're going to go ahead and uh, trust that coach and that's going to that's going to be a big factor in why you're bringing this guy in. So um we're going to find out whether this guy's a good pick. We'll find out uh ex- he's going to get every chance. And here's the thing. I don't care if you're the first guy picked or the last guy picked. You're going to come into camp or any situation that you, you're going to do whatever you can to make the team. Last year, um I don't know if you remember this Tony, we were saying the one guy that we're, we're sure is going to make the team. And the one guy we're not sure that that's probably going to have the, uh, the toughest job to make the team. Do you remember who those guys were? And if you don't, that's okay. Putting you on the spot here. Oh, geez. You talking about of the draft class? Yes. Oh, I can't, I can't remember that far back, but I'm, but I think we, we, we have those same kind of discussions, whether it's on, uh, uh, you know, through writing or, or on podcasts every year, there's always, there's always those guys that we talk in absolutes about every, every, every draft. And that's the, uh, uh, part of the fun of the draft you just never know Sutton Smith locked to oh, make yeah. the team he is the guy he is the next guy a uh, couple teams later I think uh, I know Jacksonville and I think it might be in Seattle now um, Ulysses Gilbert the third was the guy we said that was going to be the toughest he he had the uh, the toughest road to make this team and and he made the team and now a lot of people don't want to, I mean, they don't want to part with them on uh cut down day, a uh, Labor Day weekend. Everybody was saying Gilbert's going to make the team and he did. Right. He made the team. Right. So, Hey, they know more than what we do. Um, well, I, I remember, um, I don't know if he, I can't remember if he was drafted last year or the year before, uh, Derwin Gray, the, the lineman from Maryland. I was so sure that he was okay. Last year, I was so sure he was going to come in. And, and, and fit right in and, and get coached up and be another one of those uh, late draft picks or undrafted free agents that, that plays, you know, that comes in and becomes a starter along the line. And I'm not sure what he's doing. Is he still on the team? I'm, I'm, not, he's, yeah, he's, I'm not even sure anymore. He spent a lot of time on the practice squad, but he mm-hmm. is still with the organization. A couple of years ago was the year Jesse James was drafted. So I'm looking at 2015. The guy they picked in the seventh round had 11 interceptions as a safety as a senior named from Louisville, uh, Gerard Holloman. And I was oh, like wow. singing this guy's praises. I loved this guy. I'm like, this guy is going to be awesome. I yeah, remember that name now. Wow. That's a blast he, from the past. Yeah. He did not make the roster and I don't know if he made any other roster as well. Um, so the, the bottom line to why I'm bringing up uh, all these guys is the fact that they come in and it's their intestinal fortitude. Um, to decide how hard they're going to work. Um, you can still try hard to work and give it your all and not make it. But some of them, given the chance, they're going to uh, find ways to prove it. So 
we're going to see. We're just going to see, but I'm really excited about everybody on this draft class. Uh, another guy from Maryland, um, and I live in Maryland, Antoine Brooks Jr. This guy, he was a, he was a captain, and he was voted the MVP of the Maryland Terrapins last year. Um, so, you know, that that guy is a guy that he's a safety, but he's projected more to be a linebacker slash safety, and you can't really – complain about this pick in the sixth round because everybody wanted Tanner Muse out of Clemson in the sixth round. And when the Raiders took him in the third round, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you picked him way too early. Right. And, uh, but the Raiders thought they needed the guy. So the, the Raiders, I, I think, I think everybody in our live chat and you and I could pick better for the Raiders than the Raiders picked for the Raiders. I'm starting well, to think that. Um, well, I think I think we, we I don't think we we I think we underestimate how much they uh, teams like that draft on need. I mean, they say best player available, but you can see it all the time in the draft. You know, if a couple guys from from one position go before this team's ready to pick, we all say, oh, they have to go with the best player available, and they always wind up taking a third or fourth or fifth best player from a position of need. So I I'm not surprised at all. The Raiders did the same thing in the first round with the cornerback. Yeah, and it is a. Uh, it, you know, it's it's really interesting to see. Uh, Steelers Pittsburgh says we let Deontay Spencer go, and Denver fans love him. I'm still upset about the Deontay Spencer thing. I'm still upset about that. And uh, they uh, they razz me on the uh, on the Steelers preview. That's uh, Jeff and Dave on uh, how much I was in love with Deontay Spencer. But um, you, you know, we we take these guys, and we uh, there's certain players we attach ourselves to, and we root for. Um, I think uh, Brooks is going to be a rootable guy. I'm looking at some things Wes, Wes is saying that uh, you know he's not good one-on-one. -on -one. So when you're picking that late of a pick, I'm really I'm the kind of guy that I think the draft should end after five rounds. When you're picking in the sixth or seventh, it's kind of a crapshoot. It really oh, is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you're just trying to get that player. And, uh, and we've seen sixth rounders and seventh rounders work. Of course, Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Kelvin Beecham. We've seen, and there's the list goes on and on and on. But uh, you know, these these are guys that uh, will come in and get their opportunity. Some are going to make the opportunity, and some that we don't, that we're certain that are, won't. But I think that they have some players that really fit the identity of what they want of this team. That's why I think it's a successful draft, Tony. I, I agree. I mean, uh, as far as like uh, addressing each each need, I mean, that's all you can do. I mean, and we only have six picks, like I said earlier, you know, you have to hope you, you get it right with the earlier picks and you have to hope you can you can uh, coach up the, the, the guys you pick in the later rounds. I mean, you, you, you know, we talk about it every year. If they get two or three guys out of this draft, that's that's uh that's all you can really ask for. I, I watched a, a draft special. I think it was from the, uh, the Oh five draft and uh, the giants had four draft picks. That's all, that's all they had were four draft picks and three of them contributed to their su two Super Bowl teams. So, you know, sometimes you have to, it's about uh, quality over quantity. We're going to open up the live chat. Now um, we probably have got about five minutes left in the show. And once again, this is an earlier show. Um, I have some, uh, I have uh, some family responsibilities to take a, take uh 
care of today. So thank you to Tony for agreeing to come in early. Um, so Alex Flores asked, how do you feel guys on not getting Moss the tight end? Randy Moss's son, of course. Um, I'll tell you, Wes says right now, so glad we didn't take uh, Thad Moss. Um, went to the Washington Redskins. That's a guy that, who knows? Um, if he's healthy, he can go into the Redskins and maybe maybe uh, really make a move. I'm fine with, with them not doing it. Maybe they uh, offered him a, a, a contract in free agency. That's a possibility. But with, uh, I was projecting, you know, they could look at this guy in the seventh round, but they picked a guy that could be fill time at tight end with their overall top pick in Chase Claypool. He can be, uh, it just depends what packages he could, he could play as a tight end. He could, he'll be playing as a wide receiver. You still have Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron. So probably really not necessary to bring a guy in unless it's on a free agent deal when you want to address the defensive tackle position in uh, round seven. And that's what they did. Tony, what do you think? Well, I mean, that's, you know, that was one of the positions after they signed Ebron in free agency. That was one of the positions that seemed like uh, uh, they were pretty set at. So, you know, you have to cut, you know, when, when that's what free agency is for is trying to fill holes early on with, with, with guys. And they did that with Ebron. So that, that frees you up to, to concentrate on other areas and, you know, down the road, 21, 22, if they need help a tight end in some of these draft picks at other positions uh, they hit on, well, then they can concentrate on tight end with uh, maybe a more premium draft pick. Okay, this next question, Donald Nolan, a contributor of our show, a good contributor, um, mentions this. And I'm not sure how to even answer this, Tony. Uh, it's a great question. Which player sees more time on the field this year, Derek Watt or Eric Ebron? Tony, they're in different positions, so could they see equal time? Well, I guess it all depends on are we going to be more conservative even though Ben's back and, and, and try to run the ball more. Uh, we know how much Ben likes to to play uh, and and, sh and uh, with, with the sidecar. So I, I'm gonna I'm, uh, if it's if it's old comes back that the guy that 28. I'm gonna say it's gonna be Eric Ebron. All right. Um, we do have a, a super chat here, and I'm trying to get it up on the screen, and I don't know why I'm having trouble getting it on the screen, but. Um, I'm going to go ahead and there it is. Big Rush. Thank you to Big Rush 499. We appreciate that. And if you do want to support the show, besides hitting like and subscribe, which is really important to us, you can go ahead and uh, and throw in money in the live chat and we'll get that to the top of the queue with your question. Big Rush says, good draft, but not getting J.K. Dobbins will be a regret. We could have got him and got the Charlotte linebacker with the next pick. J.K. will be an all-pro running back. I think he really could be an all-pro running back. Um, Tony, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, he definitely has a resume. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, uh, rip on J.K. Dobbins now because I really liked him coming out of college. I really, I was really impressed after people started talking about him. You know, I think he can be a really great player, but you just never know. And, and it's like I said earlier, uh, with that second-round pick, it could have went in any different, any number of directions, and and. No matter who they settled on, it, it wasn't going to be a, a a universal positive reaction. Somebody was going to have a problem with it, and that's how it is every year. So Chase Claypool could be – you mentioned Calvin Johnson. He could be Cal, uh, an all-pro receiver on that on that level for the next five, ten years, and I think we'd definitely take that. 
Yeah, it, it just depends. Um, I love what uh, what you know that what not what we know, but what we really think Claypool can do and could really uh, boost that receiving core. I'm kind of torn on it. I'm still very thrilled with the uh, Claypool pick. Hate to see him as a rat bird. Uh, yuck, man. I when I saw it, I was like, no. And I because I I thought uh, I thought maybe the Dolphins were going to get him. And then I thought, wait, are the Patriots picking here? I was really confused with that whole thing because everything was fast and furious. And when I saw it was uh, Baltimore, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But uh, really, that's how, I mean, you can only pick one guy in that situation. And it's, I mean, I'm fine with it. Um, I, I hope uh, Claypool is uh, equally su- successful because if you have a uh, uh, an all-pro in Claypool and an all-pro in Dobbins, then you're both winners. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so there you go. Um, Darren Dalton asked, "Does Paxton Lynch win the backup role this year?" Tony, I, I like that question. What do you think? I think I think uh, they really like Mason Rudolph. They they didn't really even address the quarterback situation in the draft or free agency. You know, undrafted free agents after the draft. So they must uh, really like. I mean, they've obviously uh, come, they've come out with a vote of confidence for him a long time ago, and and and. They didn't really do anything with the quarterback position in in in, in the offseason. So I think I think they must feel really comfortable that he's made strides. So I think he's going to be the backup. I don't think pa- Paxton Lynch. I mean, based on what you know, he didn't really do anything last year. So and he hasn't done anything since he's been drafted, and uh, I think it was 2015. So 2016. So I uh, I think it's going to be Mason. Well, let's put it this way. I my opinion is. Paxton Lynch will will get every opportunity to supplant him. And if he supplants Mason Rudolph, then he's the better quarterback, and I'll be perfectly fine with it. Um, that will that will spell the end for Mason Rudolph. Um, and you have to pick the best based on where they were drafted and and uh what have you. But what I'm saying as far as uh Paxton Lynch goes, I'm gonna disagree with you, Tony, and I very rarely disagree with you. Um, the reason he didn't do anything last year, he had no time in training camp. Mm-hmm. He came in, uh, what week, excuse me, week three or four. And, um, so, you know, we, we see that a lot with, with guys, with the Steelers. We saw it with Vance McDonald coming in as a trade right, right before the, uh, right before the start of the season. It takes a good year for anybody coming into Pittsburgh most of the time to make an impact. That's why you didn't really see Paxton have an opportunity to do it. Um, I think he can, I think Paxton will probably be the number three player on this team on, on the depth chart as far as passing goes, but we will see if he could supplant them. Maybe, uh, maybe he has a career renaissance here in Pittsburgh too. And that'd be awesome. Um, A lot of people doubt it, but I think it would be awesome. So what I want is the best quarterback. And if one of them could really step up, it'll be great. Um, I, I'll also respect the fact that uh, Mason Rudolph will sense some competition from Paxton Lynch more than he had last year in training camp as well. Um, and that includes Dobbs being in training camp. So a lot of people had Rudolph winning the job outright before they even started camp. And 
so they might be having that again, but it will be a definite competition. With that being said, Tony, I think we had a uh, very lively show. I love the show after the draft gives us a chance to talk about everybody. Um, your last reactions of the draft, Tony, as we wrap this thing up. Well, I mean, you know, people are talking about the Ravens winning the draft. Well, they were going to win the draft all along. They had 10 picks. And I think they had six in the first 106. Pittsburgh had two in the first 102. So the Steelers were never going to win this draft as far as public perception. But, you know, you don't win drafts in, in, in April. You win, you win drafts in uh, January and de or December and January. So uh, I'm interested to see how this all plays out. And it's all about the big picture. Um, we have one last question here that I did want to bring up um, before we need to go. What do you guys think about Winston rejecting the Steelers contract? It came out that the Steelers offered him a little more, that he wanted to stay in the division in the AFC, the NFC South and play for the Saints. I'm just saying it's his loss. It really is his loss. Um, I would have gladly welcomed, welcomed him in. I am not uh, really, I, I don't care either way or less. I mean, I mean, really, I don't really uh, love the quarterback. I really don't love him. He's a name and I would have welcomed him in with no problem. But if he's going to reject the Steeler contract, then I'm like, all right, you know, your choice. But here's the thing. What I love about this report, and I actually, I hope it's true that he rejected the Steelers contract. I love the fact that the Steelers went after it when everybody said they're not going to. They went after it, didn't work, that's fine. At least you made the effort and I'll take it. Tony? Yeah, I, I didn't, you know, hear about this till this morning, uh, you know, and, and if it is true, it's like you said, they, they there was a guy that, bec that became available and, and, they, they gave it their best shot. There, there's only so much they can do with their cap space. So I'm, I'm impressed that they were actually able to uh, make him an offer that was better than what the Saints gave him. But, you know, it's, it's I, I, I think they're, you know, they're just going to roll now with Mason as far as their backup moving forward. Um, Yule Skinner says at best, 30 interceptions is not Steeler worthy. And, you know, I'm not supposed to have favorites, but I love the humor Frank Webb lives. Um, he's a comic genius in my mind. Go kick rocks, Winston. Um, so <laughs> there you go. Um, Alex Flores, uh, asked again, what about Cam Newton? Hey, they could offer one to him and I would welcome Cam Newton. in. I could really not see Cam Newton. Um, I see Cam Newton waiting, waiting for June and, uh, getting, waiting for a situation then. And that could possibly happen, but we'll see. But with all of that, thanks so much. We cannot, we've had close to 150 in the live chat today at one point. Uh, really appreciate all of you. You know, we can't do these shows without you. We usually do the show at five o'clock on Monday. We had to start at 1.30 because of uh, other situations. And you guys were all here, come in droves. We respect everything you do for us and we thank you so much. So for Tony Defio, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Tony, take us out. Well, you, you like the great Rowdy Roddy Piper always says, just when you think you got all the answers, we keep changing the questions. We'll see you, Steeler Nation. Thanks so much. Love you.